There are interesting people in disc golf, and there are boring people in disc golf. Here's one of each on the Fish Golf Broadcast. On this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, I sat down with Sai Nanda. Sai, what you thinking of that? Ah, cats. <laughs> Is that an all-the-time thing? Mm, in and out, back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we started, you coached me on your name a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the meaning of your name? Why is it important to you? So it's like my parents were really into like just like the exploration of like Eastern religion and Eastern philosophy. So they were really into like the Indian kind of religion and stuff okay. like that. And I think the Beatles were like going to India at that time. So they were, my parents were really <laughs> into it like at the time of my conception. So Ananda is a Sanskrit word that is commonly used for like bliss or ecstatic bliss or like ecstatic joy. And it's a u- word that's commonly used. And it's a, actually a common like yogi name. Mm-hmm. Like if you Google Sai Ananda, you'll probably get a decent amount of disc golf stuff. But you'll also <laughs> get like a lot of yogis and like old Indian dudes. Well, that's uh, an interesting bifurcation in search engine optimization. So last week, I had the good fortune to play a practice round with you at Beaver State Fling. And I think that may have been something of an accident. Yeah, entirely. I put fish down on the spreadsheet. And what did you think? I totally... So Lindsay Fish is like such a fun person. And I have loved her since I met her. So I saw fish and I was like, oh, Lindsay Fish, I totally (laughs) want to play around with her. And then... And Lindsay and I are totally unrelated. Yeah, (laughs) like, no, not related in any way whatsoever. And then I was just like, I don't know. I like the practice round sheets because you get to play with new people. Sure. So I was like, whatever, another another random MPO player. Let's let's go. Yeah. And um, I had a really great time. And And then JP just, like, randomly hopped on. I had no idea he was going to be on there as well. Yeah. Um, Just, like, neat happenstance to end up with a really fun crew of practice players yeah um and while we were waiting on one of the tee pads uh we were just kind of talking about the tour structure and tour cards in particular mm-hmm. um so the way it's really important that you get your tour card in order to sign up for pro tour events and in order to uh sustain that you have to play well enough each year but they also issue a certain number of exemptions for players who might have been uh, injured or for whatever other reason didn't make, say, the, the tour championship. Um, and uh, I applied for an exemption. I got it uh, oh, cool. because I, I had only that. played about half the year. Mm-hmm. And you, I guess, had applied for an exemption, and I was completely blown away by your answer. I thought you were just a regional player. Um, what was your logic in applying for that tour exemption? Well, it was... There was kind of like some timing involved at at, at the time, I had, like, been talking with West Side Discs sure. about kind of stepping up my sponsorship and stuff like that. And so part of that was, like, if we want to see you go on tour, like, you have to be able to make it happen. And so there was, like, the deadline to get the tour card. And so yeah. I, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I really need this. This I would love this sponsorship and this opportunity would be amazing. So I was, like, super rushed to get it like at the time yeah and you're negotiating with both west side and the pro tour yeah so it was like a super huge moment not only was i like going to get my tour card for the first time like i'd never really qualified for it before just Mm -hmm. in like competing and doing well enough in tournaments so that was huge and then also that that meant getting 
like more financial backing from a sponsor was right. also like super huge. So like, yeah, all of a sudden these opportunities just like, like completely materialized in front of my face. And so, yeah, the, the, the rationale behind that was just like, I never, I never really f- like got the opportunity to go out and like play and prove myself to a sponsor. And that had always, how it had always been this like, paradoxical like pin of like we want to see you show up and perform and we'll support you but I can't really go out and show up and perform without the support so it was like this limbo stage that I'm sure I'm not the only one you know that has found themselves in that position yeah there's a bunch of regional players who were in that position for a long time for example Matt Oram like would always show up at majors and shred and then but not be able to play the full tour because of financial considerations yeah and uh you've won majors three times in amateur junior divisions right yes and then uh You've had other really, really solid, say, top 10 finishes at U.S. Women's and others, right? And um, a couple of somewhat notable, like, A-tier wins as well Mm -hmm. in in advanced women. I think there was, like, United States Women's Rocky Mountain Disc Golf Championship, all of the words, um, that I had competed against. And at the time, that was, like, the highest level of competition that I had had the opportunity to compete with. So that was, like, a big notable one for me. But... The biggest wins I had were in 2014 with Junior Worlds, and then 2016 was my Amateur World title, which kind of propelled me into, like, my pro career. Cool. Um, Did you know that our PDG numbers are only 17 apart? No. (laughs) That is interesting. That's another interesting thing, because I didn't know that you had gotten the exemption as well. Yeah. So that's cool. Congrats on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if you're willing to share, it sounded like uh, after one of those major titles in junior or advanced, you came home to something pretty shocking, right? Yeah, yeah. I came home to like, I mean, I guess one could call it like the rug being swept out from underneath you to a certain degree. Like I never grew up um, like well off by any means. Like my parents was, were always going to school growing up. Mm -hmm. So most of my childhood was spent like in student housing. So, I mean, never really like didn't have a ton growing up. And my mom, like throughout my junior career and my advanced career, my parents largely funded my my career they weren't really pushing me to like get a job or like get my license and like move out they were like we want you to play disc golf like Mm -hmm. we want we want you to like see out this opportunity and so my mom ended up spending like all if not most of like her tax returns and like a lot of her extra money and even I would be working on the side to afford extra money to go to like Amworlds and Mm -hmm. to things like the Beaver State Fling which was like that, that was the regional event for a long yeah, time, right? that was huge for me. That was super huge, and that was, like, where I got to, like, get a glimpse at the big pros and, mm-hmm. like, get to actually see them throw. And, like, see, that was where I saw Paige Pierce throw for the first time. That's where I saw, like, notably I saw Kona Panis play for the first time. And I'm sure I saw quite a lot of other pros. But, yeah. um, but I digress kind of back to the to the original point um and so yeah um going to those big events and even though i i was considered kind of like a regional player 
going to the small amount of events that I did go to, like completely exhausted my family, like financially. And so when I won my amateur world title, my mom had lost her job and we basically came home to like an eviction notice on like literally on the door as we like our drove our rental car like into our driveway and that was basically that was basically it and I wasn't even it it probably looked so terrible because I wasn't able to make like the award ceremony because we had to we literally like as soon as I finished the final nine, mm-hmm. we literally like had the car packed and I had to get in the car because if we didn't leave like right then, the car rental would have been late. So it yeah. probably looked like absolutely awful on my character, but <sighs> I just had to, I just had to go. I just had to go completely. So I missed the awards and like I I'm, I don't think I have unpacked my award from <laughs> Amp Worlds since then. And that that was seven years ago, right? Yeah. So it's just been, it's, it's been in a storage unit while I've like been playing disc golf and like simultaneously getting my life like back to like square one of like having a house and like a job in a car. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, so that's, that's so different than the way a lot of, uh, a lot of players who are on tour got their start where, you know, they kind of had a nest egg to begin with. Yeah. And you know, the same family support, but not on such a thin margin. Yeah. Um, were you, what was it like emotionally to go from like the highest high winning this event to like not having any stability at all at home? I mean, I feel like it was largely kind of like confusing because like I had spent so much like time and effort and energy and like my mom's, you know, financial time and effort and mm-hmm. energy and like I like my whole family had just done so much and spent so much effort and energy like putting me out there and it's really hard not to like blame yourself to think like oh the reason that we are like homeless is because of like going to those tournaments was super extraneous financially and like emotionally so it was super confusing to think like is is pursuing this dream and is pursuing this career really going to be worth it and it was hard not to like associate pursuing disc golf with being homeless it was super hard not to think like oh pursuing my dreams equals coming home to nothing so it was like super tough to like battle through that and not like give up on disc golf kind of you know what I mean absolutely because like when when you're a kid or a young adult you're relying on your parents to help guide your decisions Mm -hmm. and you're trusting that they've got these things figured out that they're working in the best interest of the family yeah um so, so did you did you have to take a break mentally and emotionally from disc golf honestly I think it was like I think it was so traumatic that I kind of went into like, like, like full, like go mode. I was like, I was working full time and I was like golfing full time because I was kind of like couch hopping. So I didn't really have a place to just like go and like hang out. That was my own. Mm -hmm. So I would just like go out and play disc golf or, you know, go play around and then play a second round and then go spend some time at the putting basket. And so I basically just like lived disc golf that was like I guess you could call it an escape 
mm-hmm. you know, just like, you know, living in different places and just like different people. And I'm, I don't know, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm like fully introverted, mm-hmm. but because I do enjoy being social, but I think a lot of the restorative energy that I get is spent time spent alone. And so that was also time that I found like on the disc golf course. So while, while I was kind of like dealing with the like homelessness and like trying to find a place to stay and getting back on my feet and just kind of putting in the time, like you just have to put in hours to, you know, to get enough paychecks to get yourself. It's just a matter of kind of time. So I just kind of put my head down and I was competing in tournaments as much as I possibly could. I was like, you know, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm small and I'm, you know, travel size, you know, can I just hop in your car and (laughs) camp on your campsite for the weekend? And so that was kind of like largely how I pushed through it is I just like really kept focused on disc golf and I kept competing and I kept playing and I kept playing leagues and I ended up finding my my now like boyfriend of seven years at the time, like on the disc golf course because Mm -hmm. I was just out there every day like all day and that's largely how we got to know each other it was just like literally like two rounds like around let's go out to lunch let's go play another round let's go play a couple of extra holes before it gets dark and so that Uh disc golf was i i could really relate to the people that said like disc golf kind of like saved their life to a certain degree of like it just kind of kept my head on straight it kept me focused on like just being fit and kind of being healthy and kind of like you know it it kept my priorities straight. So yeah, I really, I really just focused on disc golf during that time. And it, it really got me through, you know, couch hopping and staying in random places. That, that is so amazing and inspirational. Um, so, so like what kind of jobs were you working in the meantime? Um, so I had a really good friend, um, Amira, and she was able to get me a job at this place called Brain Freeze Creamery. And it was like this little ice cream and sandwich shop. Okay. And that place was so much fun. Totally loved that place. Completely understaffed and mismanaged, but gosh, I freaking loved serving ice cream at that place. <laughs> I would just play like all kinds of like 50s and 60s like like rock for sure. kind of you know that like doo-wop like rock and stuff and so that was a job that I had and then another really good friend of mine Melody Bailey got me a job at Taco Bell mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think that was a super awesome job but the managers there and the people that worked there were just like so cool and so awesome so that was another really cool family that I was able to be a part of and I will rock the bell for the rest of my life. I, I know you've got a, a Taco Bell visor you'll yeah. wear often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, I still have my Taco Bell work shirts okay. that I've like cut into crop tops that I'll wear. I still, excuse me, I still have like aprons that I'll try to like incorporate too. I've still got like a lot of Taco Bell merch that I feel like I should leak into the disc golf community. Oh, that's, yeah, that's so swaggy. <laughs> um, have you heard of Taco Bell Quarterly? No. There's a there's somebody in Baltimore who kind of started a goofy liter, literary magazine and is now accepting submissions. Um, they have been having to turn away like 90% of their submissions, but they're uh, unlike uh, other traditional literary magazines. Like they're deliberately trying to have offbeat stuff, except unknown artists and writers to to submit poetry and essays and that sort of thing. Many of which end up uh, in some way tangentially thematic or themed with Taco Bell. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
anyway check it out taco bell quarterly yeah no i could totally i could totally get into that it's it's a fun just like a taco bell is just like a weird community (laughs) uh for sure so uh i guess what you had told me in a much shorter form was that part of your logic for your tour card was Mm -hmm. you never really have had the chance to go tour fully because like while you were developing as a disc golfer you were homeless or you had to work like full jobs um do you feel like this season has validated your your choice to do this full time it's kind of crazy to think about like like yes yeah it kind of does it's weird to be living it it's weird to be like to have had those like aspirations and those dreams and then to like to like realize your aspirations and their dreams i feel like not 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 enough people talk about that feeling of like achieving your goals and how weird it feels yeah what what was that uh what was the ride like after winning texas states dude it was crazy how fast life is just like like get on like move on like you like it was fun because i got to sign a bunch of autographs and everybody was like congratulating me and high fives and like there was probably a solid like 30 45 minutes of like cheers and congratulations and just like oh my gosh and so there was a little bit of time to like indulge in the moment but literally all i'm thinking about is like oh my bed is a mess I have a bunch of boxes to pack up right now. Like I have extra discs that I somehow acquired that I do not have room for. So it's like (laughs) how I was living in that moment and trying to soak it up, but how reality just catches up to you. Like, yeah, for sure. Immediately. It's when you have a bad tournament, it's great because there's always something the following week or you just like, you have to do laundry. It's a very mission based recovery from that. It's part of honestly why I like, the like the lifestyle of living on the road like I guess like a weird comparison is like I'm really bad at doing the dishes so I'll just like I'll just have a pile of dishes somewhere that I just refuse to like put up in the sink (laughs) or put in the dishwasher like not even to like not even wash them like just I don't even put them in the dishwasher so there's just a tray downstairs of like cups coffee cups and like glasses and stuff like that and when I'm out camping and when I'm on the road, you literally can't do that. No. You, you can't. If it piles up in your car for more than like it a smells. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and then you just, and then you just feel like you feel like garbage. And so it's like, it really simplifies like my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like it prioritizes like, oh, I better like consume water and electrolytes and proper caloric intake in order to have energy to move tomorrow (laughs) you know like the most basic basic things that somehow i just get complacent and like lazy and i'm like ah have a bag of chips i'm not gonna stretch today and i'm gonna go to bed and so it's super easy to just get lax on those like basic needs and i love that like being on the road and playing disc golf not only demands that you do that but makes that like enjoyable too. Sure. Like it makes those like it makes beans and rice so delicious. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes that inflatable air mattress in your tent the most comfortable bed in the whole freaking world. <laughs> I'm Felix with Ace Run Productions, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast. 
while I'm traveling to yet another town that you've never heard of. I'm Jessica Weiss, and I'm listening to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I drink my coffee. If you like where this show is headed, stick around for part two. We'll never barrage you with 11 minutes of droning external ads to start the show. So please support the Fish Golf Broadcast by visiting discgolfbra.com for hats and other apparel. Fish stamp discs are available at fishdiscgolf.com and daddydiscgolf.com. And you can save 10% on upperparkdiscgolf.com with the code ANDREW10 on backpacks and other items. And now, more lies and outrageous claims from our guest, Met With Calm Reason by Fish. Okay, so disc golf kind of takes everybody. There's a speed for everyone from casual to professional. Mm -hmm. And you say that you weren't really athletic as a child. You didn't think that professional athlete was anywhere close to the docket. No, 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 no. Not even like in the slightest. Like I liked Greek mythology. I liked crocheting. Um, I liked macrame, uh, crafts. I liked painting, like anything you can imagine, like sitting down and like shoulders hunched forward focused. I liked reading a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I was like weird into like the dictionary and the thesaurus for some reason. I was like about vocabulary for some reason. I was homeschooled in case you needed to know that. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent a lot of time like... So studying, you know, just studying random things, like a lot of independent study, like whatever I found interesting. I was like, oh, we're going to get after it. So Greek mythology was super fun. Norse mythology was fun. So yeah, I was like, you could have probably called me a nerd or I got like old lady a lot. So no one would have thought like, (laughs) she's so athletically gifted. (laughs) Uh, All all of these things sound very self-directed, which which still is a lot like you know, having to be a professional disc golfer or getting better at it. Well, and it's funny that you say self-directed because a lot of the other hobbies that I had were all like self-directed and like alone. Like I liked to longboard self-directed and usually you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. I also liked to um, slack line. If you've ever heard of it, it's like a, like a line that's like two inches wide between two trees. Somehow I'm like 4% surprised that you slack line. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. It's so much fun and intense and you feel so cool when you like cross this like large expanse, but it was mostly me alone at a park on a line Mm -hmm. by myself. So even the activities that I did have were like, were largely alone. So I wasn't a social person. Like I wasn't athletic and I wasn't social. So like disc golf is, was just like so odd how it like completely changed my life to, to a certain degree because all of a sudden this like little artistic wallflower basically <laughs> got to like, I like had to socialize with other people like, Hey, can I play through? Or like, Sorry, I threw in your fairway. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? So it helped me, like, learn how to socialize, which I guess was important for me as, like, like a homeschooled kid. Yeah, for sure. I So I also very much identify as an introvert. And in order to, like, hang out with people and feel comfortable about it, there has to be a facilitating activity. Right. Yeah, it makes it so easy. (sighs) Because, like... When you're uncomfortable, there's something else for you to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> Can we play like tic-tac-toe or like, like literally, yeah, literally something, anything. Yeah. 
So your your parents were still in school. Yeah. And they, they were... were both art majors. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> so... exactly where I was going. How did you get into all of these arts? Um, is that something you still do now? Have, yeah. Have you kind of paired your interests and take some of them on the road? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that it would be like... I don't know, weird and unhealthy to be just like a one faceted, like disc golf is the only thing I identify with. You'd be surprised how many dudes are exactly like that though. Yeah, (laughs) but I just like, no, I think like diverse, diversifying your interests, I think expands your mindset and helps with your disc golf. Like if you only think about disc golf, it's like recycling toilet water. You know what I mean? Like you're just using the same ideas and like Mm -hmm. the same thought processes. So if you practice other games, other sports like chess, or I know a lot of disc golfers like hacky sack or like pickleball or something like that to diversify your thought processes, I think like is incredibly beneficial to disc golf. Do you have an example of how uh, something artistic or literary like got into your brain and made you better at disc golf um so like i enjoy drawing like one of the things i love to draw is just the human figure i really i really love it and one of the easier ways to like get proportions down with the human figure is to draw like triangles or circles and squares to like get where you want the head to be yeah like little circles where the shoulders are triangle for the hips and stuff like that so i think that that kind of like structured visualization or or even to a degree like three-dimensional visualization Mm -hmm. had a huge influence in how I creatively visualize on the disc golf course and kind of how I paint like how I visualize like the lines or like the disc kind of like going through the air or visualize like my landing zones or like trajectory of of a spike hyzer, like mm-hmm. you know, peak of the arc and where I want it to land. So I think that I think that artistic practice of like visual construction mm-hmm. definitely had an uh, application on the disc golf course, just in terms of visualization. That's wild, um, and, yeah. and and I can definitely see you doing that when you line up a shot. Um, that, that like that glazed over look in my eyes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like it's like everything disappears except, you know, you're kind of holding your, you're projecting your hand on the shape. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's me like materializing, like from pullback to like peak of the hyzer to release point kind of. So there's like usually little like nodes or dots at like specific points in the flight like oh where i want like the peak of the curve to be or you know little Mm -hmm. little details involved in the shot like that and while you're on the road like what are you going to do after we finish recording you've got six more hours of daylight uh are you gonna get okay you're surprised that there's six hours um i mean there's a lake behind me presently, so you could go kayaking or yeah. something. Uh, yeah, I'm are, a disc golfer. Like, what is, what is time and days? <laughs> <laughs> um, but are you going to get into reading art, crafts? Um, I mean, like, I brought a book with me. I always bring a book with me, and, like, most of the time I never read it. I always think, like, I even brought, like, um, thread and, like, crocheting hooks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, oh, I was going to crochet, like, a little hat. I was like, oh, I'll have, pl- I'll have all of this free time quote-unquote free time yeah such good intentions yeah and i just never have any extra time to actually do that i'll draw Mm -hmm. occasionally like little sketches in a book but haven't found 
ton of time to be like super creative on the road. It's it's definitely surprising because you figure like, okay, there's only four hours of my day that's spoken for between the round and warm up, but then you got to drive to the course and from the course and you got to make dinner. You got to make breakfast. You got to yeah. make lunch. Like you got to prepare for the next day. It, you got to wash your clothes or like yeah. whatever. It's, yeah, it's crazy how, how the days get consumed by like the most mundane tasks. Uh-huh. It, there's... 10 20 minute things that you have to do that yeah. just absorb all the free time and that's that's a yeah, 10 20 like it was hilarious there was one day in the off season of 2022 when i was working and i was like i always feel so bad because i never get to like practice as much as i f- feel like i should the should word or whatever mm-hmm. and so i was like adding up everything that i wanted to do in a day and like rough guesstimates of how much like to a lot like a time chunk for each of those tasks and basically i was trying to cram like 36 hours of living into 24 hours you have to fly west pretty fast for that to work yeah so it, I, it was it gave me a little bit of perspective of like okay i'm not falling behind on my training and like my life i'm just trying to do like more in a day than is probably necessary. What was your solution to that? Did you pare it down or devote less time to each of those things? Like, what's your solve? I tried to, like, I guess to use disc golf phrase, I tried to disc down. Yeah, I tried to, like, focus on, focus on not, like, how do you phrase this? Like, I tried not to divide my focus so much. Okay. Which is something, at least for with how my brain works, something I have a problem with. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I was like, okay, I'm trying to do too much. So what I can do is maybe cut that in half and try to devote a little bit more, um, like, sincere effort and concentration to less tasks. Was kind of like, you know, cut it in half and more, more quality better rather than quantity. For sure. And and that was during the off season. Yeah. And you're, I'm sure you're finding the same kind of things here when there's, you know, 12 hours of driving in between some stops. Yeah. it It's definitely because kind of like we were talking about earlier, being a little bit more introverted, it's definitely hard to find those like chunks of the day or chunks of time that you can devote to like to be with yourself or like listen to that little podcast or like read that funny book that you want to read mm-hmm. or like just to have that time to like restore has been tricky. Cause like I've been leaving the Monday after the tournament instead of the Sunday because mm-hmm. like no one needs to stress about that. Like that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so I get, I get Sunday after the rounds and that's my like, woohoo, I get to let loose. And that's usually me like staying out till like five. Woo. And like, talking to people <laughs> that's me cutting loose and to be clear that's 5 p.m since yeah, you're teeing off yeah, in one. Yeah, 5 p.m <laughs> so so and so that's me like cutting loose and then usually i'll come home and like eat dinner not a lot of time to myself mm-hmm. and then the next day is like driving day and that's usually like a 10 hour day which is all of your day basically yeah. so i have like a little time to cut loose on sunday and then Mondays usually work and then usually try to get back on the course like Tuesday, yeah. you know, if if I possibly can. And then Tuesdays are usually work and then go into the grocery store and like 
setting yourself up. So it's really, really important for me to like, if I can find a moment like on a Thursday or even like on a random Saturday where you're like, oh, I've got nothing going on after the rounds. I think I'm just going to be quiet (laughs) and just like chill in my Airbnb and relax. So that it's been tough to find, but I think really prioritizing that for me has been helpful to like avoid the I don't want to say inevitable burnout, but everyone experiences it to a certain degree. To, you to know? some level, yeah. yeah. That, like, this is your first full year on tour. Mm-hmm. Like, the season is long and the country is huge. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, and like so many things have already happened. We've already had so many unusual winners and like aces and so many crazy things already. It's crazy to think that the season is literally just kind of beginning yeah we're we're recording and it's not even june yet um now congratulations on being one of those uh unexpected winners i, I guess um do do you find that having to work um retail and or service industry hours uh made you good at parceling that time for yourself no no one no one who works in fast food prioritizes their time appropriately let me tell you that no one does no one sleeps enough no one eats enough everyone is over caffeinated everyone is overworked like you are an oddity if you have a balanced schedule and you are working in the food service industry (laughs) let let me tell you and like holla to everybody who's making it work seriously like i have heard some of the rudest things like ever said to another person across like a food service counter do you dare share (sighs) oh my gosh i mean i guess it wasn't that bad but i thought it was appalling the um, my manager at the time Karina, who's like a mom, she manages the store, we're understaffed, so she works overtime, and she's a parent, and like, she's awesome. Karina is great. If I don't know if she somehow maybe will listen to this, but yeah, you rock, dude. And so she had a headset on, and she was taking orders. Um, from the drive-thru? Yeah, from the drive-thru, and she was also taking orders at the front counter in the lobby, and she was also talking to a new girl who was a trainee and needed to take her lunch break and so she needed help clocking out Mm -hmm. so this girl literally has like four and a half different things going on in her head right now Mm -hmm. so she's talking to a woman on the other side of the counter a customer yeah a customer and she because she has the headset on she mishears something that the customer says to her as she was like making her order So she just politely asks her to like repeat it. And the customer on the other side literally goes like, huh, you must be stupid. (laughs) Just like flat out, just like that. Like, oh, you must be stupid. Right in her face. And my my manager just like sat back a couple of inches and was like, wow, that's really nice of you to say. Um, Do you want any mild... (laughs) hot fire or diablo sauce and like completely continues to like take her order and i'm just looking at this poor like overworked woman just get like uh, completely insulted and i'm like oh you're so sweet you deserve so much better you're so nice (laughs) so i think it definitely did did give me a lot of valid perspective just like as a humanitarian in general for sure and and i'm (laughs) sure that when you go out to eat like 
it doesn't matter if the food takes a little longer or if you have to wait on somebody behind the counter a little bit. You don't know what that person's doing. You don't know if they're like in a halfway house right now and they're just Mm -hmm. like trying to get their life together and their car broke down and so they are just like pissed off right now. (laughs) Give them a little grace. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A a good case for empathy. Um, So are you going to be at all of the Pro Tour events this year? Um, I think there is a handful that I'm missing. Um, I know that um, I'll be at the Dynamic Discs Open, and then I think I'm looking at, like, Ledgestone and Idlewild and, like, Great Lakes. Sure. Moving into, like, Worlds, Mm -hmm. obviously. And then um, MVP is a playoff. I think that you have to qualify for. Sure. And I'm not certain if I've qualified for that, but kind of planning for it. Um, You'll be over there anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the idea is to make that a little bit of a swing. So if I'm, because I'm driving, I'm not going to be doing any flying. So I'm kind of right. like making a big jump and then buzzing around for a little while while I can. But um, the win at Texas States got me a spot into the throw pink at USDGC, which is like super incredible. Really looking forward to another bite um, at that course. And then, what is it after that? Uh, it's like the Disc Golf Pro Tour playoffs after that. So sure. I think there's a couple that I'm missing, but for the most For the most part, part it's a full season. Yeah. The okay. fullest season I have ever had. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you enjoyed the show and want to tell me how great I am, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at fish58320. And if you hated the show and found it lacking, where can folks find you, Cy? Uh, you can find me at uh, Ananda on Instagram. Um, there's a link in my profile. Um, if you care to support my tour, um, I do have a, there might be some tour series discs left over of the bear. And I know for a fact that there are some Westsai Wu-Tang W discs out there as well. Um, and thank you if you are already supporting it. It really means the world to me. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I know you're avid draw avid drawer. Um, yes. Do you do your own tour series art? I don't, but I um, have a heavy influence. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, to close us out, tell us the best flavor of Mountain Dew available at Taco Bell. Baja Blast. Oh my God. That's all for this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast but be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check out Fish Golf Broadcast hats and other apparel at discgolfbra.com and badger your friends until they listen too. Join us next time as I goad yet another guest into starting a fight with another touring player, campsite host, or toll booth attendant on the Fish Golf Broadcast.